Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this day for sending your Son to show us the way. But Lord, that in doing so, that through him, you would show what the new creation will look like. Lord, we give you thanks for this inheritance that we have because of him. We would ask this morning that you break your words small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. Within the season of the church year, we are wrapping up yet another season before we enter a really long one. In between Easter Sunday and Pentecost is the season of Easter. And so today our readings prepare us. They build as next weekend we celebrate the ascension of Jesus. And then two weeks after that we celebrate Pentecost. For this reason, as we dig deep into our text, they all point us in the same general direction. Our gospel lesson prepares the disciples for his departure. And then in our reading from Revelation 21, God shows John what this new creation will look like after everything else, all of the former things have passed away. Nothing but death is non-negotiable, and even that is undone in the resurrection of Jesus. Benjamin Franklin is quoted with saying that nothing is certain except for death and taxes. And actually, he's quoting somebody else when he says it. And we know that today we see that even death is undone. And so perhaps there's still hope for taxes. (laughs) But I say that to say this. When we know that the former things pass away, it changes the dynamic of the conversation. And actually, in fact, changes everything about the narrative. See, for the first 20 chapters of Revelation, John has witnessed the old creation, this world being judged, and then seeing the loosing of its destruction because of this judgment, and then the reclamation to bring it back within its bounds and its eventual passing away. So that now as we pick up in 21, it says, Then... I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The former things are gone. He goes on to say later in this chapter, as God says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And when we're in the midst of something really hard, when we are grieving over a death, when we are mourning the loss of a transition, we are hurting, we are in physical, spiritual, emotional pain, whatever that element of brokenness is, and we hear God say, all of that will go away. There will be no more tears, no more crying, no more sadness, no more sorrow, and we say, come on, Lord Jesus, and come quickly. Why? Would we want him to wait? You see, this old world, this old creation is ugly and messy and broken. And these former things don't fit neatly within our boxes. And the line between black and white moves so frequently that everything seems gray. Those times when we try and force a round peg into a square hole because we start with the solution before we ever address the problem. And so we take all the mess and all of the ugliness and all of the brokenness and all of the offensiveness and we tie it up in a nice pretty little bow and we just set it off to the side. Because then we don't have to think about it, we don't have to deal with it, and it is confined to where we think it should belong. Because it hurts. You see, in our gospel text, the disciples struggle with this. Jesus is preparing them for his dying and rising and eventual ascension into heaven. And they struggle to wrap their minds around it. What does he mean? And then in our very first reading, as we tried to explain to the kids during the children's message, even the Jews of Jesus' day struggled with what this actually meant for their life. If the resurrection of Jesus changes everything, then now it means that all of these things that they once thought were unclean, that God has now made clean. They struggled with this as the Gentiles are given an equal place in the covenant that they held their identity in. 
but brokenness separates us like an ocean. And we need a boat. We are always a people divided. Whether it's because of experience or ethnicity or income or inheritance or politics or whatever it is, we stand as a people divided. And we force brokenness to fit our fixes. And then we lament and fight over why it didn't work. Over the last couple of days, my social media has been exploding with all that has been happening in the southern states. With so many family and friends between Missouri and Alabama, the abortion debate cannot be avoided. And it's all over the news, and it's in front of all of us again. And the hard thing is that the church has done such a poor job of talking about politics in the church that we have forgotten how to talk about politics in public as the church. You see, in this particular instance, both sides draw from false conclusions. And the whole idea is to establish a polarity to further the divide, to keep people separated from one side or the other. You see, we don't like the messiness in the middle. Because on one side, we can claim that it's women's rights and health. And on the other side, we can argue that it's the sanctity of life. And that somehow the two can't possibly commingle. That perhaps there's a whole lot more to the issue than what we choose to see. We do not get to claim sanctity of life for the unborn and then neglect and marginalize the life after birth. It doesn't work that way. What causes us so easily to cast aside the image that all life is created in? Genesis 2, we are all created in the image of God. 26 times. The sea is mentioned in the book of Revelation. And typically it's in reference to the physical sea on earth. But there are spiritual implications that go along with that. The water is both feared and revered. It provides for life, yet also has the power to take it. Its depths, bounds, and potential are unknowable. 
yet its effects are readily apparent. And ultimately, it divides and separates us in Scripture from one another and from God. And so in the very first verse of our reading this morning, as John says that he sees a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. In other words, because of Christ, that which divides us from one another and separates us from God has now been done away with as the former things pass away. Division passes away with death. And the making of all things new is done. You see, what we actually get a glimpse of here is Genesis 1, where God creates something out of nothing. He speaks and stuff happens. Life springs forth and there's new creation. But how well do we trust his words? It's a struggle. Even for those that were raised in the faith or those ardent believers that are just so convinced that as Peter, they would never deny Christ. And yet... When everything falls apart and the bottom drops out and we are stuck in the middle of the mess, no longer on either side of the polarities, and actually confronted with the reality of what we live in. Do we believe that God's words have power? That when he says today, I'm going to hit the reset button... And this is all going to start over with a new creation that he actually means that the former things, the broken things, the dead things all pass away. When I was a kid, my brother and I had one of those old school Nintendos, you know, the gray boxes. You flip up the lid to slide the cartridge in. And you'd blow out the cartridge and shove it in there. And inevitably, it would lead to a fight. And eventually, one of us would get so tired of whatever we were playing that we would reach up and we'd hit that reset button. Game over. Started from scratch. New beginning. New creation. New possibilities. But the reset button is far from easy. And we cannot confuse it with the easy button. And because we avoid talking politics, perhaps there's a reason why. 
Perhaps the devil has done a really, really good job of keeping his people silent in church and so they don't speak in public. How well do we trust God's word when he speaks and life springs forth? We know that the former things will pass away. So does our witness point and lead folks to that which doesn't? Our reading ends. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Did you catch it? The new creation is our heritage, not the old one. That which is yet to be because of Christ, the perfect, that is what God gives to us as his people. But there's no easy way out. We are called to the hard things until that day when the reset button is pushed and God gets the glory now and forevermore. Amen.